the deal was you apply for 30 jobs a day and you can continue to live it. And so that was that was the rule I had with my dad and it suited him fine and it suited me because I just got the list of numbers together who I reached out to and he used to point at them and say, show me where you reach out to this company. And what he was teaching me is that it's all about resilience. It's all about consistency and keep going and one no and you might get a response. Just keep going because you will get someone who will believe in you and give you the opportunity. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018, in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Surviving a difficult and challenging childhood in East London, Jack Parsons' mission in life is to make sure no one is left behind by society. Jack's work is primarily focused on the often overlooked 18 to 30 demographic who, for some, have not had the opportunities that many of their peers from different socio-economic backgrounds have had. Jack and the youth group are changing this, one young person at a time. With the core values of be bold, be honest, be kind. Jack's youth group enables young people in the UK to thrive, develop and build a successful future and with a connected community of 1.7 million they're really starting to make a huge difference. Jack's own accolades include being named as the UK's Chief Youth Officer, listed on the UK's 100 Business Power List, and as a Young Digital Leader of the Year, with Jack also recognised as one of the 50 people on the Kindness and Leadership Leading Lights List, part of the Woman of the Future programme. Please be aware that this episode discusses severe mental health issues and has references to suicide. I grew up in Essex. Um, I'm losing the accent. I've still got it slightly. And I grew up in a council estate and mum was an alcoholic and she was only ever in three moves, drunk, violent or asleep. And growing up, you learn a lot of emotional intelligence very quick because you become the grown up in the family. And I used to get up in the morning and go to school and come home. And I never really see her sober. And unfortunately, she was mentally ill. She was violent. And I used to fear getting hit over the back with a frying pan. I used to get hit full pelt over the back with a frying pan. And I felt a bit trapped at home because she's ill, no support. You don't know what you don't know. And I got old enough to take out a paper round. And the paper round paid me 15 quid a week. And this paper round funded my judo lessons and I became a black belt in judo. And the bullying at home and the bullying in school stopped because I got a bit stronger. And in judo, they teach you from confidence and ego. And there's a fine line between the both. And that stuck with me growing up. But every day, I think to myself, what could I have done differently? 
I don't have a relationship with any of my family right now. I'm doing some fantastic stuff to help youth, but I never, I, I've not got no one to share it with. And I think, what could I have done differently? And I blame myself for not trying to build a better relationship with my family, but it's, it was tough. And especially when they don't want to listen and you've got a dysfunctional family and it's not connected. And one thing I regret, or I always think about is, what about if she just loved me? I've never felt loved growing up. I've never still felt loved to this day. I don't really know what love is. And, and that's why I do what I do. I don't want anyone ever to feel unnoticed, unloved, or feel like they don't have a place in this world. And we all have a place. We all have challenges, but we all have, all have talent that needs to be showcased. So that was a bit about my upbringing. <laughs> I've heard you talk about your upbringing before and I felt at the end like I wanted to get to my feet and give you a standing ovation because it is truly remarkable what you've been through and the things that you've had to navigate throughout your young life because you are still going and you're just getting started almost but it really has shaped what you do now and what's important to you now as you were just saying but maybe rolling back a bit and I know you just spoke there about building up strength and resilience what was school like for you did you enjoy it were you a good student was it reciprocal did you get on with everybody what was that experience like so I wasn't a fan of school but I loved school and let me explain why I wasn't a fan of school because I was bullied until year nine it was tough I wasn't in the top classes of maths, English. The only subject I really liked was art and design because I like to draw. And when you're bullied in school, it's hard because you go in and yet again, you feel trapped. But the reason why I love school was because I could get away from home life. I could get away from the smell of alcohol. I could get away from the violence at home. At school, I wasn't getting a frying pan over my back. It was easier. It was easier to be bullied in school than it was at home. So I had a love-hate relationship with school. I knew it was a place where what I, I had to go to school. Did I believe my school journey would get me to where I am today? Absolutely not. But did it shape me? Yes. So that was, that was my relationship with school and when year nine come and I became a black belt in judo the bullying stopped no one bullied and surprise surprise and I went from being an unnoticed young person who was being bullied to respected and people actually noticed me a little bit because of the judo and the sports I did and leaving school everyone goes to a prom and I didn't know if I would be able to go, if I could go to the prom because I couldn't rent a suit, I couldn't afford to rent a suit, but we fundraised and we got some money for me to rent a suit. And I actually got um, awarded the uh, future business leader in school. So there was a, something there, I don't know why, but there was something in that that was destined to me doing what I'm doing today. So I had a love-hate relationship with school. I loved it, but I hated it. And towards the end of school, it got a lot better for me. And I'm right in saying your first steps into the vocational world, having a job and an occupation, that wasn't quite straightforward either, was it? Absolutely not. And mum got really ill and dad took me in. 
And life started to get a little bit better after leaving school because dad had foundation and a clean bed to sleep in and dinner on the table. And I had a really simple understanding with my dad is that you can live under my roof, but you have to apply for as many jobs as you can. And that's what I did. I applied for as many jobs. I didn't even know what a CV was really because I didn't have the employability skills to know, but I just gave it a go, sat there, applied for anything and everything. I must have applied for about a thousand jobs in total over that period of six months of looking for work after school. And the deal was you apply for 30 jobs a day and you can continue to live it. And so that was that was the rule I had with my dad and it suited him fine and it suited me because I just got the list of numbers together who I reached out to and he used to point at them and say, show me where you reach out to this company. And what he was teaching me is that it's all about resilience. It's all about consistency and keep going and one no and you might get a response just keep going because you will get someone who will believe in you and give you the opportunity so I got myself an apprenticeship and I didn't know what was going on but I turned up blue-eyed loads of spots on my first day and it was an insurance broker went to complete this apprenticeship and the company went bust so I couldn't complete my apprenticeship qualification. So I became a neat again, not in employment, not in education. And then I went into recruitment and I worked my first three months in recruitment completely free. As long as they covered my travel and my lunches, that was the deal we had. And that's when I started to be a grown up and there was people around me that would coach me and support me. You have to put the work in. You're not just going to get it handed to you. And I was the first one in and last one to leave every day. And one day I turned up from Essex to London on a snow day. And when I mean a snow day, there's no trains from Essex. And I was the only one who could get in from Essex. And that got me a promotion because what I did is I left earlier. I was only young. I got into the recruitment company and they talk about it today. I got into the recruitment agency. I turned up and I showed up on that day. Hmm. And it's just the little things that go really far. So everything I do, I try and always, how would that make someone else feel and how can I go the extra mile? Yeah, it really speaks to your work ethic and obvious dedication to your root values and core values. But I remember, you're so memorable, Jack. I remember when you spoke, you told a story about how you turned up and essentially how you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, that you weren't wearing the right clothes. And I mean, I'll let you tell the story, but it really stuck with me. I don't know if you can recollect what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So I turned up to the interview before I got the job and they weren't impressed that I didn't have a suit. I didn't have the right clothes to wear. And they actually sent me away. Uh, They said, go away go and find something to wear and come back. And I was obviously really nervous because I didn't have no money. I didn't know what to do. So I said to the person who was interviewing me, but your CEO said in a recent magazine that you should show up and it's about showing up. And it doesn't matter what you're wearing or what you're doing. Show up, apologize that you haven't got the right stuff to wear, but you're here to give it a go. And if you were to get the job, you'd go and find the right stuff to wear. And that kind of shocked them a little bit. They fluffled a bit. They went out of the room. <laughs> and next minute, the CEO came in the room and interviewed me, put a phone on the table and said, you've got five minutes. Why should we hire you? And in those five minutes, I explained why they should hire me, but why they shouldn't hire me as well. And that's what got me the job. 
and that it's don't judge a book by its cover. We're not all perfect. And every day I wake up, and that's why I love what I do, Kim, because I wake up thinking, it's a big world out there. And what am I going to learn today? There's someone out there smarter than me. There's someone out there that can teach me something that I know nothing about. And I'm willing with my pen and paper to learn. And I think we all have to have that. It's long life learning. It's all about what can we learn and what do we know? But most importantly, recognizing it's okay not to know everything. And it's okay not to be the smartest person in the room. And that is fine. As long as you go from having all the answers to all the questions and everything you do. And that's something that's really stuck with me over the last couple of years is go from having all the answers to all the questions. I'm a huge believer that every day is a school day. So I'm with you on that one. Is there a standout moment or maybe a person that you would say has helped mould your interests and set you off on the path to where you are now? And obviously tell us more about what it is you're doing now too. Absolutely. Look, when you start out, you don't know what's going on. You're in this world. I wanted, I had one mission to help young people. That's what I knew I wanted to do. What would the product be like? Would it be a company? Would it be a charity? Who would be there to support it? I had none of those answers. And along the way, you meet a number of great people and mentors. And some mentors stay with you for a long-term period. Some serve a purpose. And that's okay as well. And one individual that has really been there and supported me and shaped me to be a kind leader, even though I had kindness in me, but had to really be a kind leader and how to um, lift others up is a fantastic woman called Jacqueline Dorocas, who's the president of Tech UK. She's just a fantastic woman, a similar upbringing to myself in terms of home life and uh, the challenges she had with her, with her stepdad and stuff. And she's just been there. She's just coached and supported and we've become good friends we now go and get breakfast and cycle and a b and c but she's definitely been a everyday role model in my life because she's taught me the value of having values of kindness of diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. in terms of how we need to empower more women and young girls into technology there's a saying that i use when you're too close to the elephant all you can see is gray sometimes that step away from the element to see all the perspectives and she's definitely given me that opportunity to step away from my own lens and my own privilege and to strip that privilege of being a white guy as well and look at it from a different lens and so Jacqueline's definitely been a role model in my life another role model is um, the New Zealand Prime Minister who I had the opportunity to meet um, so I'm an international special advisor to New Zealand government on youth. And I, when I had the opportunity to meet the New Zealand prime minister, I was just blown away. What you see is what you get. And she's the real deal. Something that a lot of, uh, unfortunately, politicians lack across the world. And she's definitely not one of them. She's one of the people and she's great at what she does. And she, she's fantastic. And we need more role models like her. Other individuals to go look at what, that individual done and if she can do it so can I 
She really is quite incredible as well, whether it's a global pandemic or it's a terrorist attack or there's some kind of natural disaster. She puts herself right in the heart of it. And the imagery you see coming out of New Zealand at that time is her embracing people and consoling people and literally putting herself in their shoes because she feels like she's one of them. And obviously she is one of them, too. And we need a lot more of that in leadership. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I believe we need to shine a light on more everyday superstars as well. And along with our leaders, we also need to help those nurses thrive. The the great work that the NHS has done or that young girl who's coding in her bedroom at the moment. She's a superstar as well. (laughs) We need to lift everyday role models up as well. And a lot of people can be critical it's life a lot of people are critical about a lot of things oh it's stage you can only stage so much until you become refilled and something with the New Zealand Prime Minister is that she's not been refilled which relates you to saying it's the real deal absolutely authenticity and integrity across all the work that you've done is there any one thing in particular that stands out for you or that you're particularly proud of I know you were talking about your New Zealand trip there but I'm sure there are an awful lot of other things that you must be very proud of Kim being an entrepreneur you always look to seek the next thing and sometimes you don't stand still to reflect and go actually I'm doing okay where I am because hmm. entrepreneurs were just really ambitious and we're always looking at the next thing and we move at 200 miles per hour but there's a number of things that I'm really proud of and normally it's the things that are not public it's normally the things behind the scenes and one particular thing that I'm really proud of and it's in 2018 I had a mental breakdown and had a lot of issues with my mental health living alone and probably trauma from my upbringing and I didn't go and hit it head on and I I publicly spoke out about my mental health and I felt it was a risk at the time it was the best thing I ever done why because when I first reached out about my mental health I had over 25,000 messages sent to me directly others from all different walks of life managing directors, 25 years experience to a young person who's just about to do their A-levels. And there was this individual who reached out. She was a young girl. And she reached out and said, I don't want to be in this world anymore. I don't know what to do. So I went back and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I caught this message because a lot of messages I've not been able to catch. 25,000 messages it's hard to be on top of everything, is I said to her, that sounds like a good idea, but before you do that, why don't you come and meet me for a coffee? So on the Saturday, she came and met me and she said, I'm gonna do it today. I said, okay, what time are you gonna, obviously, are you planning to um, do what you need to do? And she went 12. I said, okay, come and meet me at 11, 25 minute coffee. We'll sit down, we'll have a chat, and I'll make sure you're gone so you can then go and do what you need to do. And she came and sat with me. The meeting went on for an hour and a half. It went past off. I said, well, it's past the time now. And we broke down. What does the next week, two weeks, 60 and 90 days look like in her life? 
at this moment, all I want to do is go home, hide under a pillar with my own mental health challenges and not do anything. But I knew I had a duty of care because this person came into my life. She went away. She told her strict Muslim parents that she had a mental health condition. She got into full-time employment and we check in regularly two years later. And it's those stories, Kim, that make me so proud to not just being able to support that individual, but build a following and a presence that it's okay, you can reach out to me. I'm not a scary entrepreneur, CEO, <laughs> trying to knock down towers, because I'm not. I'm here because I really bloody care about every single human. I know my focus is on young people, but I care about people. And you can't save everyone, you can't help everyone. It's one of the learnings that I've taken away from doing what I'm doing. But I believe everyone can help someone. And the youth group, we've helped over 90,000 young people get into work. We have a community of 1.7 million young people. And I'm proud to say that we're continuing to help these young people throughout the pandemic and continue doing what we're doing. Do we have all the answers? Absolutely not. But we definitely have the ambitions and the right intentions to make a difference. It's such an incredible story to hear you recollect, but also like you were saying, you're very aware that you can't save everybody. And there was probably some form of serendipity involved that her message did cut through to you on that occasion. But then uh, you say your way now of paying it forward is through the work that you're doing. And I, I love, I love that the youth's core values are be bold, be honest, be kind literally just embodies everything that you are and that you've been through absolutely and you can speak to any of the team members um for instance you've had a fantastic conversation with ollie and everyone lives and breathes those values in their own way my be bold is different to someone else's be bold but we all are on the same mission and i think that's really important and this organisation is about helping people. And this organisation is bigger than me. I'm just a, I'm just a moving pie. I'm, I'm just, I'm there to support and coach. And there's a fantastic team behind what I do, or in front of what I do, actually, leading the way and making a difference to young people's lives. I mean, that's really important as well. You've also received numerous accolades through the work that, you, that you've been doing and are still doing. And I'm talking to you today because you were listed on the Kindness and Leadership 50 Leading Lights list, which comes out every November. But tell me more about how you've been involved with the, work of the Future Programme, which is the backbone of that, but also how kindness feeds into what you're doing. Yes, and look, I'm big on working with communities that lift others up and when I got involved this is what the community was doing it was lifting others up to be their selves to stand tall and say I'm here to support and they asked me to come and speak they asked me to come and share my story to inspire and I said yes straight away because that's what I'm about I'm about actually if, if even if one person in the room actually steps forward and says you know what 
that young kid don't know who he is, but he's, he's actually helped me to think and widen my thinking or go and support someone else, a young woman or whoever that is, to go and thrive. It's a job done. And that's how I got involved. I wanted to just share some of my learnings and some of the stuff that I've been through so it could help others. And then from there, it went on to be listed as one of the kindest leaders and it takes a lot for me to cry, Kim. And I, when I found out, I cried because I'm a big believer that kindness is really important. It's not a business word, but it should be. And you need to be kind when no one's watching. And out of all the awards I've won, that is one that took a bullet to my heart a little bit and actually made me just sit and go, yeah. This is why I'm kind when no one's watching. This is why we do what we do. And, and also there was 49 other really impressive people on that list of the Kindness Leaders of the Year Award who was fantastic, all doing their own thing in their own right. And I'll just be proud to be on that list with those individuals and the ones after the year after and the year after that <laughs> to, uh, to actually say, yeah, kindness is important. And you go across London now. And I think the mayor of London, he's got a campaign at the moment, be kind. And you're starting to see it. But we must make sure that being kind is a real, is the real deal. And it's not a, it's not a trendy soundbite that people jump on, which I'm a bit cautious of because mm. it seems to be the cool thing at the moment. And I believe kindness is just all around us and you have to leave with kindness, but you have to show kindness as well. And you have to be kind because you want to, not because it's a trendy thing to do on TikTok at the moment. <laughs> I agree. Okay, I have some quick fire questions just to Both. finish. Here we go. What would you describe as your greatest success? Helping one young person get into work. My first young person I supported getting into work was a success for me because it worked which has led me on to help 90,000 others. 90,000, that's amazing. And your greatest failure? Not looking after my own mental health and putting my health over ambition, driving forward, which actually affected me long-term. So not being true and coming forward when it first started to happen and say, I think I need to break. You pushed yourself too far. And pushing yourself too far so you burn out. Mm. The mantra of Women of the Future is kindness and collaboration. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? I suppose we've already touched on kindness, but maybe the collaboration side. Everything around us is about partnering. You partner with the person making your coffee in Costa. <laughs> You partner with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, your husband or your wife. Everything in life is about a partnership. And partnership can only happen if collaboration is involved. If you compromise, you come to the middle and you have a mutual understanding. So that's what collaboration means to me. Life is about partnering, partner with more people. Is there anything that scares you? Failing scares me. 
really do you see it as failure though because not everything is explicitly failure is it it could be a learning point or it's the wrong thing for you and you can head in a different direction I, I totally agree I, I fail every day I failed I failed a lot I get things wrong a lot when I talk about failing I talk about it from a not being able to undertake my mission so your purpose you mean you mean your purpose more yeah, yeah. Okay. failing at my purpose just waking up tomorrow and not caring about young people not being able to support young people that's what scares me what's left on your to-do list I'm just at the beginning. I've got, uh, I've got a lot to learn. There's, there's a lot to still accomplish. At the moment, I'm in the process of launching a bank for young people to take 10 million young people out of poverty. Um, so that's been announced. Um, I believe financial well-being is really important. What's left? There's a lot to do. And I need to leave a legacy. I'm only one part of supporting and it's taking what we're doing to the next level. And that level defines based on the needs of young people and setting a foundation so others can thrive. And that is what's next. There's a lot to do, Kim, and we don't have all the answers and we're making waves and we're, we're doing as much as we can. There's always red tape in the way of everything because that's life. I always wake up and go, what more can I do? Did I do enough yesterday? And I, I think one step at a time, but being true and staying focused on you first and realizing that what we're doing is for young people. And as long as we don't lose that vision, I think we'll be fine. Jack, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute, I always say this, but genuinely, I think I might love you a little bit. So thank you for your time today. I, I really, really appreciate it. No, and, and thanks, Kim, for giving me the opportunity to come on your platform and share a little bit. It means a lot. And anyone who's listening as well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.